Hi, welcome to podcast number 62, brought to you by Help with Parkinson's. Our guest today is Dr. Subramanian, movement disorder specialist at Hershey Medical Center in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Welcome, Dr. Sue. Hello. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, thanks for coming. So we're going to be finishing up the, uh, or at least doing another part of the Parkinson and Movement Disorder Society meeting you went to in Nice, France. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of information there. So yep. um, we'll give whatever, whatever we can, whatever time is necessary. Yep. So you want to start today off? Yep, sure. So this um, show is going to be dedicated on the economic burden of Parkinson's disease, the cost of um, healthcare costs for patients and families. Um, how much is it? And how, what kind of data do we have to understand this? And um, the first paper that is of interest um, is from uh, Dr. Tanner's group in San Francisco, but she actually used a number of other uh, individuals, Dr. Albin from uh, Michigan, um, Ray Dorsey uh, from Rochester, many others um, also contributed to it. So it's a, it's a, it's a way in which um, she and others decided to check what's the economic burden of uh, Parkinson's disease uh, to the population in the United States. And this is a tough under undertaking uh, because it's not easy to come up with this data. And what they actually did was they combined information from US population census, Medicare current beneficiary surveys, um, medical expenditure panel surveys, and what's called claims data, it's basically data where costs are allocated for different drugs and treatments from both hospitals as well as pharmacies and also from other services such as nursing homes and so on and so forth. They also um, got information, information from Bureau of Labor Statistics because that would also give them information of how many days uh, people don't work or um, have to take time off work and the cost was de determined using an estimation that roughly 1 million Americans have Parkinson's uh, and they used the 2017 costs for making this estimation. So um, what they really found, you know, that uh, I'll go through each of these results in great detail, but uh, basically their single most important conclusion was the, the total uh, estimated indirect and uh, direct non-medical non and medical cost uh, in 2017 was uh, $25 billion, B with a billion, and of which um, 18.9 billion was attributed to uh, things that are direct to, uh, uh, directly associated with the care of a, pa uh, of a patient. Uh, and then 6.1 was attributed to un unpaid care partners, like caregivers um, taking time off to um, take care of patients and so on and so forth. Um, how did they come up with this number? Um, they looked at all these data from different things and then uh, they did again, something similar to what we, we described in the previous show called meta-analysis. This is not a true meta-analysis, but it's a, combination of different different resources, and then they combine them to sort of come up with an average cost. 
and then divided by the one million number to come up with the uh, with this this idea. Um, so, what is the cost per person for a year, averaging everything? Um, this is cost of medication, cost of um, transportation to their doctor's offices. Uh, if they need minor or major surgery, what's the cost of that? And what's the cost of um, not going to work and losing time because of that, uh, either for the patient themselves or for the caregiver? Uh, the average cost in 2017 dollars was roughly $22,671 uh, if you're privately insured and was 24847 if you're a Medicare beneficiary. Um, so not a huge difference, a couple of thousand dollars if you're a Medicare beneficiary. Uh, more, which means if you're older, it costs you a bit more, but if you're privately insured, it's, it's less. And um, the other interesting thing was average indirect uh, cost, uh, cost of uh, not attributable directly, but it's indirect cost was about $18,000. Um, so the combined total uh, comes to about 25 billion for the whole, whole population of 1 million people in America. It's a, it's a larger big number and, um, and a surprising number if you, if you do the math, you know, that's, that's a huge uh, dollar figure and huge economic burden, yearly economic burden for people with Parkinson's disease. Interestingly, um, I remember standing by the poster and looking at it in great detail. Uh, one of the arguments that some people make um, is that if you do surgery, like the deep brain stimulation surgery, then your cost of uh, medical care would go down because it's a one-time charge of, uh, I don't know, $50,000 or so that comes to the hospital that includes the cost of the device and the surgical costs and the surgeon's fees, so on and so forth, that you would save a lot of money in the long run because you had the surgery and your medication costs would go down. That's one argument that I've heard some people make. But interestingly, uh, in this particular paper, they didn't find any advantage. It actually added costs and it didn't subtract any costs because they found that vast majority of PD patients who had undergone deep brain stimulation surgery were still taking medications. And the, the cost of them taking less medicine did not seem to give them any sort of advantage because it was taken over by other costs, the cost of traveling to a doctor's office for their DBS adjustments and other costs that were attributable to um, whatever the claims were too. So it didn't really give them any advantage. Um, so this cost argument is not really um, standing the test of time, at least uh, in this, um, this particular study. And the other uh, good thing is that uh, it really seemed like the most comprehensive study that has ever been done to, to look at this in a, in a more uh, complete way um, than what was uh, being um, uh, published in other papers before. So um, I, I thought it was very interesting and impressive that, um, that this was available uh, uh, to patients uh, and families as a data that doctors could uh, share with. 
So anyway, I'll stop there and wait for your questions, um, uh, Warren. Yeah, so, so uh, the deep brain stimulation, you have to just take your time and don't rush into anything because you see that over the years there's side effects that come out. So you want to just definitely take your time and make sure that you're ready in your point of your life that you personally want to get it done, not that somebody's at a seminar is pushing it. Right. I mean, that's always true about anything, uh, but uh, it's even more important that um, when there's some marketing involved, I think we need to be careful about, I mean, again, nobody's questioning the utility of GPS. GPS in the indicated patient can be magical, can be very good, can be very helpful, um, but uh, it should be correctly vetted and appropriately applied in the right setting. Uh, it should not be like, okay, I, I'm just going to do it because uh, it seems like it's magic. It's very impressive when you see a video of somebody who is uh, very tremendous and then post-surgery, the tremor is completely gone, seems like the person is almost cured. It can be quite deceptive when you see that and very impressive to people. Um, and you might say, yep, I want that. But um, again, it needs to be evaluated properly and scientifically with a team of doctors. And the team of doctors can be very critical. Um, typically, a neurosurgeon is not working by themselves. They usually have a team. There's a neuropsychologist. There's a uh, movement disorder specialist. And then usually there's other team members like social worker, physical therapist, and so on and so forth, who, who also work together as a group. And then, of course, nurses who are very important uh, in these type of um, activities. And a team that is well-oiled and is doing a good job typically is able to deliver very good treatment. But coming back to the topic that we were discussing, um, and this is just a sidebar, uh, the overall cost of the uh, care of patients with Parkinson's disease how enormous that is and how um, drastic that is to the U.S. population. And, you know, the population is getting older, so the, the population that's going to get Parkinson's disease is going to be higher. So the economic burden for um, our country uh, is just enormous. So um, this is something that we all need to be aware of. And I think more research needs to happen to have better treatments and uh, and these treatments need to become inexpensive uh, and they need to be easily applied to the population in general. So preventative treatments such as, uh, you know, potative vaccines that will stop the disease or reduce the disease burden um, are going to be very important, are going to be critical. And I think um, that's where um, things are going. And most people are, you know, thinking along those 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 lines right and also you get you hear that the last 30 days of people's lives take up 50 percent of the medical bill in this country mm. so it's things like that that if they start going down that road with parkinson's they could end up having huge bills like you said right and you may not even be a candidate for it as far as your life expectancy or or what, right. what it's actually going to do for you right um, I'll follow up this with a couple of other more specific healthcare cost-related um, presentation at the meeting. So this next one um, looked at 
healthcare utilization and cost for dementia with psychosis. Now, this is an important topic, as many of many listeners would know. Uh, if Parkinson patients develop psychosis or dementia, then their caregiving becomes much harder. And so then many of them end up in nursing homes. Um, now, in the previous podcast, we did discuss briefly how apathy um, and psychosis can make um, things worse and that effective treatment, early treatment can be a way to solve it. So anyway, in this study, um, they looked at the overall healthcare cost uh, in Parkinson's disease-associated dementia, comparing it to other forms of dementias, so Alzheimer's disease and vascular dementias and other unspecified dementias. They compared uh, across all these different dementias to see what would be the healthcare cost, utilization cost. And um, what they found, um, kind of interesting, is that uh, the Parkinson's disease dementia with psychosis had the highest healthcare utilization um, cost, both for emergency room visits as well as outpatient visits. Um, compared to these other forms of dementias. This is a big surprise because I didn't think that that would be the case. Personally, I, I thought it was like a shocking surprise to me because I thought, you know, Alzheimer's being much more common than Parkinson's would actually uh, be more expensive. But it turned out that Parkinson's disease, um, maybe that's because most Parkinson's patients are more functional than Alzheimer's patients who are psychotic. Um, the cost of care annualized cost for P PDD, just Parkinson's disease, dementia, plus psychosis, um, was for outpatient visits, $4,006. And for people who are in a facility, like a nursing home, was $12,603 per year. And this was more than what was for um, uh, the other uh, uh, other conditions that also produce psychosis. So the mean total annualized all costs, not just medicines, whatever, they didn't separate out outpatient or uh, sniff costs, they added it all up. And when they added it all up, um, the total cost per year for PD patients with psychosis was $71,000. And um, for uh, Alzheimer's and other diseases, et cetera, was similar costs, um, but uh, the highest um, healthcare utilization cost, especially for emergency room and outpatient visits was, um, was for PDD, which is kind of surprising and very difficult to, for me to understand why that would be the case. Um, one reason why I, I heard from uh, one of the presenters was that maybe it's perhaps because um, Parkinson's uh, psychosis is newly recognized and it's become more um, observed in recent years, people are going to the emergency room and going to the doctor's office uh, more often than it used to be before. And that may be the reason why the costs are going up. And I'm hoping that with the availability of newer medicines, um, like hemovanserin, this cost will actually potentially go down. Although again, the cost of the drug itself is very high. Um, so 
competition has to come in, newer drugs in the same class have to come in, and that will cost the uh, cost go down. It'll drive the cost down for medications. And then it might become um, a bit more cheaper. So again, um, I'll pause here just to get some thoughts from Warren. Yeah, don't you think it may be because Alzheimer's, they have a total lack of ability to map down memories, but dementia with Parkinson's, with, with prodding and people talking, they could always pull that out of them. So they, they were more aggressive with the treatment. Could, could be. I mean, honestly, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but uh, to me, it was a little bit of a surprise. I would have thought that other forms of dementia would cost more. But specifically, the cost of going for doctor visits and going to the ED is what went up. Other costs were sort of even, like, you know, overall costs were about $75,000 per year or thereabouts for all dementias. Um, but the, the outpatient visits as well as ED visits were, you know, quite high. And right. that was shocking. So, again, uh, you learn a lot of things like this when, when, when you really think about it and start analyzing it. So, uh, but again, the take-home point, uh, important for the listeners here, is that if you truly have uh, PD psychosis, you don't want to wait to get it treated. Bring it up to your doctor. Bring the attention to your doctor. The doctor can maybe help you get it treated so that you don't have to go to the ED multiple times. You know, you're seeing somebody strange. You're seeing an animal. You're having delusional thoughts. Um, well, let's let's get it treated. Let's not wait until it gets worse and um, then create a problem for that. Yeah. Good. And then the last one, which we will close up here with. Um, is the cost of caregiving in Parkinson's disease. So this is from Dr. Horn and um, colleagues from Miami. And what they did was to um, look at what is the cost of caregiving. And um, that can also be uh, an important topic uh, because it's not just the patient themselves um, having to suffer through the disease and take different medicines and go to the doctor visits and so on and so forth. But there's also a caregiver burden. The caregivers have to accompany them for many of these visits and so on and so forth. And for this, uh, this is a different kind of study. They didn't use data from the um, different uh, databases, but they actually um, got caregivers involved in the study and they actually screened them and followed them and they got a grant from Parkinson's Disease Foundation to look at this data. A total of 656 caregivers participated. And when they looked at um, what, what kind of cost they had, they found that um, on an average, uh, they spend anywhere between 30 to 50 hours per week on caregiving um, in stage one disease, early stage disease. And as it uh, went through stages four and five, when you get to uh, more um, severe stages of disease, they were spending anywhere between 100 hours or 150 hours, 100 to 150 hours per week um, in care of patients. And if you monetized it, you know, give a dollar value for the hour, hourly wages, uh, that's roughly um, $12,500 annually in stage one disease and uh, for stage four and five, it was $35,000. So it's almost a full-time salary 
for uh, caregiving in a later stage of disease for the, for the caregivers. And um, as PD progresses, as the Parkinson's disease progress, uh, the amount of time that um, the patients uh, spend outside the home became less and less as you, as you would expect. And this also affected caregiving costs because the caregiver had to stay at home to provide caregiver um, um, uh, effort to help the, help the Parkinson patient. The monetary costs of caregiving became increasingly unaffordable with disease progression and patients with advanced disease more likely to change residence due to disease. So by the time they got to stage four or five disease, they, 30% of patients were already uh, not at home because the caregiver burden was just uh, no longer able to be, um, able to be uh, carried by the families. So um, this is, uh, uh, I think, an important study and an important way to document the actual cost. And the conclusion is that uh, Parkinson's is not only uh, an important cost burden for the patient themselves, but for caregivers and families, it's an additional burden, often making spouses leave jobs or taking time off from work um, that, that adds enormous burden to economic burden to the family um, economic resources. I, I thought these three uh, different um, presentations at the meeting um, were really interesting and pointed to an important statistic that we all as um, US citizens and human beings in general need to be aware that how much of an economic burden this is to families and how, what we can do to try to reduce it. So any community involvement that allows people to get some respite for caregivers um, is a huge, huge, huge help. And I think, um, as they say, it takes uh, a village to raise a, a child. It also takes a village to take care of um, healthcare burden. So I think community members, church groups, um, local community uh, friends and family um, being able to come in and help and uh, share some of the burden is, I think, really important. And in this age of nuclear families, where families are cut off from other uh, extended family members, it becomes even bigger issue. Because oftentimes I hear, hey, where's your daughter? Where's your son? And they say, well, they have their own lives. They're far away. They can't they can help out. But some simple things like a phone call, a reminder to take medicine. These days, technologies are available that uh, the caregiver can be unburdened by having people who are across time zones still make a phone call. Um, so I have a family who has children all the way in the Pacific, in Seattle, and they take turns calling uh, their, their father and reminding to take medicine at different times. I don't think it's a huge burden um, and people would gladly do it. Children especially will gladly do it because it's not something that really takes a whole lot of time to do. But that simple thing could uh, really unburden caregiver from reminding somebody to take medicine. Uh, and that could be a huge, uh, huge gain. Uh, some simple thing like that could be a huge gain.
Similarly, offering somebody a ride to the doctor's office so that the spouse doesn't need to come on a specific day could be a huge, a huge advantage. And of course, the future of telemedicine. So uh, when we are able to come to a patient's house directly via video, uh, we may be able to unburden people from the cost of traveling and also maybe even doctor visits would become a little cheaper. Um, this would also unburden people in the long run. Mm -hmm. there, there is something I know, at least in Pennsylvania, that as a, as a relative caregiver, you could actually get paid for that for, through the state or the county. It's uh, somewhere between nine and $12 an hour. Mm. So that's, that's pretty, it works out well because you're doing that job anyway. Mm. And this way you get, you get paid a full week's salary, mm. which works out very well for people. That, a lot of people don't know that. It's, it's designed for relatives. I see. Uh, I don't know the details of it. Perhaps you could share that um, in your website. Yeah, I'll put it on the website. It's, right. I know it works really well. I see. Well, anyway, I think uh, we covered a sort of an interesting and important topic that people have in their minds about the cost of their health care. Mm -hmm. um, and I think uh, we'll hope to get some feedback from listeners. Yep. Well, thanks for coming out today, Dr. Sue. Alrighty. Thank you. Bye. Bye.